are so many tools out there and so many different trades and different areas of craftsmanship. It's impossible to learn them all. It's certainly impossible to master them all, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't start trying. And that also doesn't mean if you haven't, if you've already got a hold of one, you shouldn't try a new one. And so in this conversation, in this podcast, I've got a little outline here of what I think are a bunch of really great starting points into a bunch of different um, crafts. The point is not that you go and take on any one of these particular items. It's more just to get you thinking about something that might interest you. Maybe it's on this list or maybe it's something you have already and and understand that it, although it's cliche it's, you know the first step is the hardest part of a long journey it's that way with craftsmanship and making things as well sometimes just getting out and getting started is half of the battle so without any further ado oh uh, one one further ado um is as a reminder well it's not a reminder actually this is my first time telling you guys uh, we started a newsletter you can join it by going to the website. I'll put a link below, but hop on the newsletter. I'm emailing about once a week or so, and we're trying to make them very useful and relevant and uplifting and positive. And so if you, and we're going to, that's also where we're going to be updating you guys on what is happening, whether that's events or new products or opportunities or when we do our live uh, Zoom calls that we've been doing um, for our Patreons, our supporters, um, so hop on the mailing list if you want to if you want to be up to date on that. Okay, let's get started with this list here. Oh, and then the last thing, um, halfway through this, I've got a guest coming on to talk about one of these areas of craftsmanship that I don't know much about, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna start there, and then we will bring in Nick halfway through here. So as I was thinking through this concept, I, in my first thought was the thing that I like the most, which is fixing old broken tools, not just tools, but anything really that's kind of broken or not working, but tools are a great place to start because when you're done, you now have a tool to add to your toolbox and they are useful tools, save time. So having tools aside from being kind of fun and cool, they pay you back by saving you time. So restoring old tools, that could be hand tools. It could be power tools, especially, um, you know, if you've got tools that are gas powered or, or um, you know, have engines on them, um, rust removal and, and uh, even just new handles and axes and shovels. I actually love doing that. My wife gives me a hard time, but we, every time we go to any kind of hardware store, I'm always checking out the rack of handles to see if there's any good ones. And nothing makes me feel, I don't know about better, but I do like the feeling of replacing a broken handle on a tool um, and putting it back in the garden shed ready to go. I say garden shed because I just snapped the shovel, the handle, the shovel handle I was digging with this week. So that one's next. Um, oh, and on this note of restoring old tools, I'll say what I think is the ultimate old tool to, to restore for a beginner is a vice, a bench vice for a lot of reasons. Number one, they are, it's like a lifetime tool. When you have, when you buy an old vice, um, you will have it for your whole life on your workbench and it'll be a part of every craft and hobby, every, everything you make. 
number one. Number two, you can find them used that are old and the old ones are generally exactly as good or better than the ones that are brand new. And number three, there it's just mechanical enough to be kind of interesting and, you know, be beyond just a shovel or an ax. There's, there's machining involved in how they make those. So you're, you're greasing them and you're really cleaning them and, and you can paint them nice. So I really, when I did my vice a few years ago, I was just, I was so pumped the whole time. And, uh, and I'm kind of always on the lookout for one, but I do think a, a vice is maybe one of the best places to start for someone who's wanting to restore old tools. All right. But there's a million others. All right. Next one, welding. Now I know a lot of people who I, I should say almost everybody I know who doesn't weld will say anytime it comes up, I always wanted to learn how to weld. And I would consider, I would count myself in that group. I am a hair past the starting line on my own welding journey. I've probably done seven or eight projects now. And I think that the ones I did are probably fairly standard, but they're great beginner projects, little carts to set your welder and your chop saw and your tools on very easy, very low risk. Um, fire pits. We made a video actually showing some, a couple of the fire pits that we made. Uh, lots of times there's, if you have a trailer or if you have equipment or if you have, um, even just a shop or a garage, there's enough, um, improvement to, to all of those things you can do with welding, adding hooks and tie down locations and features and such. So, um, adding on using welding is a great thing. And then of course that can be taken to the, the nth degree of making go-kart frames and literally anything you can imagine. Uh, but uh, it's, it's a great place to start and welding doesn't take that much. I'm, I'm almost just, you almost can't believe how simple it really is. Some gloves, a, a welder, a hood, a bunch of scrap steel. That's, you know, you're, you're, you're welding at with just two or $300, um, of tools and you're, you're up and running. All right. Uh, next item on my bull, my list here, I, I wrote mechanical, but I was kind of thinking about anything with an engine. This this would accompany um, car restoration and repair, which can be expensive, but there's a lot of other things that are mechanical that are not all that expensive. Fixing broken lawnmowers and weed eaters, uh, dirt bikes, anything with a motor, um, old pumps. A year, years ago, in fact, the first time I ever took a motor apart was on a garden tractor that me and a buddy of mine bought for $40. He was trying to explain to me how an engine worked and I just kind of didn't know. I, I had never taken one apart. And so he's like, look, let's go buy this. We found it on Craigslist and let's take the engine out of that riding tractor and take it apart. And I bet you we can put it back together. And we did. And actually I put that video on YouTube. It wasn't even a video. I just, I filmed the moment we started it and we were pretty excited. So if you snoop around, you might find that on my personal channel. All right. Anything mechanical, um, that includes equipment, which is actually what I'm interested in right now these days when I'm on Craigslist and such, I'm looking at old equipment and I'm watching a lot of these guys on YouTube. Like I believe his name is Marty T. Uh, it, there's this whole kind of style of video or not even a style, just a, a genre of, of videos of people bringing old equipment and vehicles to life that have been left out in, in fields and in the jungle for decades. It's really inspiring. Okay. Next is kind of a mishmash or a junk drawer. And I'm going to go through this list. And remember, the point is not that you should do any one of these. It's for you to think, oh yeah, maybe there's something 
that you have in your house already or in your shop or in your garage that that might be fun to finish. And here's this list. I've got leatherworking stuff, um, clay, including pots and pottery, jewelry, um, yard and landscaping. This kind of gets to the whole category of home improvement, but pavers, concrete, flagstone, uh, sidewalks, gazebos and patio roofs, um, playhouses and garden sheds. That's You're actually getting into kind of building at that point, which is got to be one of the best places to start building little mini houses, um, fountains and ponds and water features. And, and then I've got this category that I called unique electronics. Now it's only unique generally, if you're in, if you're really into computers or guitars or something, then, you know, there's nothing unique about that. That's just what you're into. But, um, computers and guitar pedals and maybe home automation devices, um, little, I don't even know, electric motors that can accomplish little things around your house. I don't even know exactly what, but I know people are hacking and programming and using electronics to make some really nifty things. And if you're inclined in that direction, more power to you. Okay. And, um, the last one that everybody's probably screaming, of course, is woodworking, which is got to be this, the mother of all making. And it's most people's entry point. I took a woodworking, a wood, uh, what's it called? Woodshop class in high school, one year, my freshman year. And I loved it. And we made a clipboard. I think it was only one semester that I had it, but it was a refreshing feeling. The first time I went into that building, I had seen it, but I had never gone in there before. Maybe it was my sophomore year, actually. And all of a sudden it was, it's completely different than all the other classrooms in the school. It was, there was no question about, are these things I'm learning here going to be relevant in my life? Now we didn't learn all major tools. That was just that we, we only use one hand tool, but I knew it was just kind of nice right away. I was like, okay, this is stuff that I do want to actually know this com- compared to like the trigonometry class that I took my junior year where I, I just knew I was never going to thankfully have to like think about cosine and sine and all, all those things, whatever they even were. Can't remember what the name of them are. So anyways, um, that was my, that was the first woodworking experience I'd ever seen. And that was kind of almost the last, to be honest, I've never really gotten involved with woodworking, um, for lots of reasons, although I'd hope to, and I have the utmost respect and appreciation for uh, people who do. And, uh, I expect here before at some point, maybe in the next five years, I will make room and be able to get involved making things out of wood. I do have a table saw in my shop now that my dad gave me. It's one of his old ones. It's actually scary. It's like sitting right over here. I haven't turned it on yet because I had one kind of little bit creepy experience with a table saw. A few years ago, I had a little contractor grade one and I was pushing this this big piece. I can't remember if it was a door or a, a big piece of plywood over it and the whole saw kind of lurched and tipped and the the wood got sideways and started binding up the blade and it really freaked me out. Which brings me to our guest, who I'm going to bring in now to talk about woodworking. This is Nick Sansoni from the uh, Sawdust Nation podcast. Nick is in the Air Force, and he has a side business now uh, doing woodworking and selling the products that he's making, and we'll talk about that. But he has started and gone through the beginning steps of, you know, years ago of learning woodworking 
he's more advanced now, but I, I figured we'd bring him on to help talk about um, some of the projects that you can learn when you're starting in woodworking. And we talk about a lot of other things as well. Nick's a great guy. This is a really easy conversation because I got the feeling this is a kindred spirit. You know, this is a guy just like me who's got young kids and likes to make things and has respect for uh, the all all areas of craft. In fact, he was he's done blacksmithing. He's been involved with all kinds of things. So anyways, without any further ado, let's talk to Nick. Thanks for joining us uh, thus far. And by the way, the point of this, again, and the point of our whole channel, I should say, is is clearly not just to entertain with with media. Um, there's probably a lot of more entertaining ways that you could do that. The point is to try and inspire you guys to to pick up some tools and to try to learn something new that you and, and try to build something that you may not have thought was possible before, because it it makes you happy. And there's there's peace and satisfaction and and meaning in building. I think it's innate. So with all that said, let's now talk with Nick a little bit. I want to talk about a lot of things with you, but I want to start with woodworking because that's kind of what we're talking about in this episode here in terms of people learning new hobbies or crafts. And there's kind of a time where you have to choose one. Unfortunately, for most of us, you you can't do everything. Maybe eventually in our life, we'll have a chance to, but um, you're doing a lot of woodworking, uh, these days, how'd you get into it? At what point did you consider yourself a beginner? And what was that like when you decided to get involved as a beginner? And then, uh, and then we'll go from there. Well, so I started woodworking, I want to say 2012. It was just kind of like making cornhole boards, which pretty much anybody who has a garage and a circular saw and a jigsaw or even a, a hole saw can, can make a set of cornhole boards. So I was doing that, hand painting them. It got exhausting, and then obviously I'm for my my current job, my full time job. I'm in the military, so I deployed, and it just kind of dissipated from there. Um, right before the pandemic started, I picked it up again. I had um, I had opportunity to get a CNC machine, a, a wood carving CNC machine, and from there things just took off. Uh, I went from having your beginner tools, which would be like a Ryobi drill and maybe uh, uh, just a whatever circular saw to just upgrading all of my equipment gradually going and buying used equipment that I knew was that was going to last me. And then it morphed into this business that I'm a part of right now that that um, I don't know if you if you guys are going to put my put my my company name up in the. Podcast, yeah, we but. sure will. But uh, it morphed into a business. I'm I'm running NPG Creations shop um, out of my garage still, but I've you know I have a full 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 functioning wood wood shop now. So things are um, things are looking up. That's one of the first uh, obstacles people come to in picking up like a, a workbench hobby or woodworking or something, which is the space. And you are in the military currently, but you were also in the military in like 2012 when you started. And that's generally, I, I was not in the military. I know very little about it, but I know that those guys don't have a lot of room. You don't have like extra shop space. How much room did you have, or maybe even do you have, how much room does it take? Cause I'm, what I'm thinking is if, uh, you know, military guys are able to start into it, that's a good sign for people who might have, you know, not a lot of space in their apartment. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, 2019 ish 
I was stationed at Fort Dix in New Jersey. I had uh, one car garage that was holding all of the power wheels and bikes and all that <laughs> other stuff, gear. right? Fishing, <laughs> camping, you name it. And uh, I started carving out a little space for my stuff because I wanted to aggregate it and bring it all together so I knew where stuff was and make it easier for me to work. And then that expanded. I got a storage facility, moved all the other stuff out, and started moving all the other woodworking equipment in. Wow. So, so a, a one-car garage is what you're saying? And really only like a portion of a one-car garage is what you were working with? I started in the corner of a one-car one garage <laughs> and uh, yeah. had no clue where it was going to take me, but I was excited. I had a couple of people who were like mentors or like my, my Yoda when it came to, to making things, and I relied yeah. on them for information and uh, just just pressed on. Uh, I know a lot of military makers have the same the same issues because they're they're basically stuck with what they have in their base housing or you know depending on where you live in the United States. Uh, I know in New Jersey there's a lot of one car garages. So, but uh, we made we made do. And uh, now I'm in San Antonio and I have a larger workspace, so life's good. So speaking about beginners and. Like I mentioned, I, I actually haven't done, I've done hardly any woodworking. I took a woodshop class in high school and I loved it. It's one of the f classes that I can, it's one of the few classes that I can actually remember a lot of the things I learned and like um, the rest of the classes. I think geometry, I, I, I remember a decent amount of that, but woodshop really stuck out. Uh, we didn't actually like use that many tools though. I think in my class, we only were able to use a hand plane. That was like the whole, that was it. And we made like these clipboards, but Anyways, um, for people who are kind of interested, it can, it is a little overwhelming. They hear, you know, you, you, you watch anybody's video on, on, on YouTube and you're seeing usually quite a bit of tools, even if they're not high end, but table saws and routers and band saws and every type of drill and all that. So if you were advising someone who hasn't, you know, built anything before, but they kind of wanted to get started in woodworking, how would you prioritize or talk about the maybe like the sequence of the basic tools they should get in order to at least get their feet wet and, and maybe which ones should, do they not need to worry about right away? So that's a great question. I usually try to, we get this question a lot from our listeners ask, like they're usually guys trying to get it or guys and girls trying to get into the hobby. And, you know, they see all these flashy tools on the, the internet or wherever, like, you know, YouTube videos, like you mentioned, and uh, they want to jump in, and I say, "Hey, you know, you gotta you gotta take care of things that are important first, like you know, obviously, shelter, food, taking care of your family, all that stuff, and then budget yourself or get what you can afford. And sometimes that's not going to be top of the line. Sometimes it might be, depending on your situation. But I always try to tell them, like Harbor Freight." You know, mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I'm not sponsored or anything by Harbor Freight, but I'm just saying their tools aren't bad if you're starting out. Uh, yeah. At least get get your feet wet, and uh, you can learn the safety aspects of how to operate them before you uh, maybe if you sell something, you make a little money or whatever, or an upgrade. Yeah, but, uh, I also I also frequent. I'm a, I'm a ninja on Facebook Marketplace, by the way. So oh, cool. I. I uh, I don't know what it is, but I always seem to find the best deals. And I usually just send out messages to all my friends who are, cause I know people are looking yeah. to upgrade. So they, they always, you know, come to me looking for, for deals. And I'm, 
So side note, are you using that more than Craigslist? Because uh, Craigslist, I understand. Facebook Marketplace, every time I go on there, I feel like I don't get it. Like I don't know how to like use it or something, but maybe I, maybe it's just me. So uh, like there's, it doesn't have the filtering tools. I feel like it, I have to like look at what it's giving me, but whereas Craigslist is a little more organized or maybe I'm missing something. So I know there's a search, there's a search bar and you, I usually type in keywords of whatever tools okay. I'm looking for. Just, just do the search. Yeah. But I also like to type in local area cause I don't like, I don't trust having someone ship off of Facebook. That's just me. Yeah. Maybe I'm old school. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. Uh, Craigslist, I used to buy stuff off Craigslist, but. I found that it was kind of people were getting away from Craigslist, at least in my area. So I'm kind of, you know, you send an email off and you never hear back and you're just kind of left in the lurch. So that's the fact, that's the truth. It's like different areas, people all kind of coalesce around one platform more sort of. And I lived in Phoenix and everybody's on Craigslist. Um, and then also offer up. But when I moved to Oregon a few years ago, Facebook marketplace is where most of that action is happening and obviously i'm a big fan too buying used it's like almost it's just like heartbreaking when i can't find something used and you have to buy it new because you know you know the rule right the rule on facebook marketplace is you can search and search and search it and and you can't find it you'll go buy a new one and then the next day somebody will post one that you were exact one you were looking for (laughs) yeah exactly um what about so the basic tools um separate from new and used, but certainly a circular saw and a drill. What about like a table saw? Do you think people, is that something that people really need before they get started? So there's a few companies out there that make really affordable table saws. Uh, On the other side, if you don't have the space for a table saw, I recommend getting a track saw because you can still break down sheet goods with a track saw on a pair of saw horses. Uh, I think Mm. there's a company called Wen that makes a really affordable one. Um, Yeah. But yeah, so just to be clear, table saw is one of the most dangerous tools in the shop. So I usually, you know, express to people before you jump in and start cutting things on a table saw, make sure you you count your digits and make sure you're protecting them. I think the danger of table saws and like my fear of them is one of the reasons I haven't done much woodworking. I'm just scared to use those things. I had one kind of close call on like a one of those portable contractor grade ones. I was pushing a door across it. It was like a little too big and I was pretty new at it and it just got like a little sideways and it didn't kick back but it was right at that moment where i was kind of like oh no i don't know how to get out of this pickle so how how does a beginner get trained on a table saw knowing and understanding that they are scary you can watch videos till you're blue in the face but you still have to go turn it on at some point right at some point you're gonna have to jump in and just remember the safety uh the, use your PPE, you know, uh, if you have a push stick, use a push stick, um, make sure you keep your writhing knife in the table saw. Don't take it out unless you're using a dado stack. And it, you know, it's, it's just one of those things, you know, you got to break a few eggs to, to make an omelet. But, uh, I highly suggest people go and watch stumpy nub safety videos as well as even micro jig has some safety videos on, on YouTube. And they're very well done. So that's per, that's good to know. I hadn't seen those, but that would be a place to start. You know, it's there's that factor of being scared of things that are unknown, and it and certainly table saw. I'm like a chainsaw. When you haven't done it at all, it's really scary. After probably half hour on the tool, you can make a lot of headway, and at least understanding it and, and 
getting over that initial, you know. Oh yeah. Um, Speaking of the effect. chainsaw, your your dad is the reason I bought a chainsaw. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, I don't even have a need for one, but I was like, man, you know what? I was watching him doing some logging videos. So I was like, I got to get a chainsaw, and yeah. I used it one time. It's sitting in storage now, but it's ready. <laughs> well, that's the thing about a chainsaw is like you when you need it. Wow, do you need it? And at that moment, it's too late. A couple years ago, there was a big winter storm. We've had a few, but. Um, there was one in California. People were coming up here. There were no chainsaws for sale in town. Like it was like along with generators, it was like the first thing to fly off the shelves in an emergency. And it's only a matter of time till <laughs> those things hit. And oh, yeah. the, the, the the chainsaws come out of retirement across in, in every neighborhood in the U.S. when there's emergencies. So you'll be glad you have it. Absolutely. So um, go ahead. Uh, on another note for for just beginning woodworkers, if they're looking to get some, uh, just startup tools, you, you mentioned a drill, a circular saw is fine. You don't need a table saw. Um, but it's nice to have, there's just a handful of other tools that you, you know, that, that would, you could benefit from. And speaking offhand, if you have the money, a planer works great. Um, you can always square up boards and make them, make them parallel. Uh, the faces parallel on them. Um, you don't need a joiner. You can, you know, you can put a straight edge on on a, a board and run a, uh, your circular saw across the edge. There are workarounds to a lot of this stuff, but uh, I, you pick the big three, I think. When so, yeah. Another barrier, and this sounds so silly, but it's just true. A lot of people are used to going to, let's say, Home Depot or Lowe's or a big box store, and there's obviously lumber there, and so, but most people know instinctually that that's not the. <laughs> Two by fours are not the lumber. That's not the wood you need to to make a cutting board or you know even something basic. So, so where do you get like interesting wood? Where can you buy like a, a half slab of ash or or whatever it might be? Um, I've got this friend who built this beautiful. He was telling me how he was getting into woodworking, and he showed me this table that he started, and it was it was from Doug Fur uh, at Home Depot, and I was so. I didn't, I didn't want to rain on his parade, but sure enough, the thing like curled up like a potato chip, you know, after just a few weeks and he's kind of like, yeah, I probably should have used a different kind of wood. And so anyways, where, where do you get like the right kind of wood and how do you, how do you, how do beginners find that? So you, I've had obviously this question asked a million times around here and it's search your local lumber yards, uh, call around, Hey, do you have whatever, you know, type of wood you're looking for? Before you even set out on your project, you probably would probably want to determine what wood you're going to use because you're going to get be able to get a price per board foot on it uh, over the phone, and then you could kind of do a budget on your project. Um, I lumber lumber yards are great. I, I support. I have a local lumber yard that I support, but I also like to go out to local sawmills as well. There's plenty of people with a wood miser uh, or homemade sawmills that mill up lumber. And as long as you verify that that lumber is actually dry and and stabilized enough for you to work with, there's, mm-hmm. you know, you could get a, a, a lot better deal a lot of times off of a local sawmill. So, again, you can use Facebook to search that. You could use the, the, the Google machine to give a yeah. quick uh, a query yeah. on that. But – um. 
I typically stay away from lumber from the big box stores, and it's nothing against them. They they always have it. It's like in a pinch. I yeah, I guess I would go there, but yeah. um, you're gonna get a better price at an actual lumber yard, and they know a lot more about the lumber at that place. Yeah. So you you're deciding before a project, you know, like when I'm building something, it's usually nothing major, but. I usually I always start by looking around my shop and think, what do I got? What should I make with what I have here? So for woodworking and you guys, you're mostly thinking before you start, okay, what am I going to make and what should I make it out of as basically goes hand in glove with that question, right? That's the money question right there because you could buy. So let's, for instance, cherry, cherry wood down here, four quarter cherry is like $3 and 33 cents a board foot. But if you go to Walnut, you're going to pay like close to $8 per board foot. Now that, you know, multiplies mm. the cost of your your project exponentially. And a lot of times customers just don't want, they don't want walnut. They just want something more economical, you know, yeah. lighter on their, their wallet. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And and they may not appreciate the difference anyways. They're both hardwood, I guess. So they may not care to spend the extra money, huh? That's correct. Um, there are customers who are picky though. And I, I appreciate that though. I want, you know, if they say, look, I don't want anything that's like, I, I want something exotic. Then I'm just like, you know what? That's awesome. I respect <laughs> that. And I would love to work with Wenge, you know what I mean? Or something yeah. where it's going to cost me or cost a fortune in the, in the, <laughs> in the project. So, so what kind of work are you doing now? Cause you've got customers and you mentioned you have a CNC um, machine that's carving. So talk about who, who your customers are and what kind of things you're making. And you've probably veered away from the super beginner projects at this point. So where are you now with your woodworking and what are you working on and what are you learning? So I, I still do make some of the beginner projects. I, I try and stay away from it, but you know, when the wife asks for a toilet paper holder or something like that, I got, you know, I got to do it. But, uh, I typically go, I, I veer towards, uh, military members and their families and retirees of the, of the armed forces because they, you know, there's always like plaques being made. Uh, there's always people promoting, always people retiring, always people uh, winning awards. So that keeps me busy making plaques and shadow boxes and uh, hmm. just other military stuff. So I'm yeah, working cool. on a Marine Corps shadow box right now. It's downstairs. Um, I'm about ready to seal it up tomorrow and give it off to the customer. That's wow. out of Walnut. Um and uh, yeah, my CNC machine is constantly running. I had two. I just sold my my first one I ever had. I'm wow. upgrading. So it was kind of like a sentimental moment. <laughs> you know, that's the one I learned on. And I had yeah. to, I, I had to make room because I have a two car garage and that's, you know, you can't keep everything, I guess. So. Yeah. It, the first one, you can justify the space, but this, having two in there, all of a sudden it's like, well... Probably uh, one of you is going to have to go. <laughs> I had just an, they're a very small CNC. It's only like 700 or seven fifty seven hundred fifty millimeters by 750 millimeters cutting surface. So okay. I'm upgrading to a five foot by five foot CNC machine. Oh, uh, wow. I obviously my, my, the other one that's still running the small one is going to have to go here soon as well. But yeah, I also run, um, a CO2 laser just to, for laser etching on wood. Oh. I cut out acrylic. I, I integrate a lot of different mediums inside my projects. So I'll use uh, acrylic or glass or whatever I can can fit in there that I think looks good. I even have like a 
an aluminum veneer that I put on things sometimes that gives it a, a metallic look. So, oh, cool. So the la- will the laser etch in glass, or is that just etching the wood? The laser. What else does a laser do? Well, so a CO two laser will etch on wood, hands down, pretty much any kind of wood. Uh-huh. Um, it'll etch on glass. It'll etch on acrylic. It'll cut acrylic wow. and wood. Wow. Uh, it's very versatile. You can so it won't cut into metal, but you can etch like the tumbler style uh, cups. Yeah, I have a, you have to have a rotary tool attachment for that. But um, oh, cool. So I'm a jack of all trades, master of none, I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. That's interesting, and because a lot of that, like with CNC, that's it's not. It's obviously still woodworking, but those there's like computer programming aspects to running a cnc machine that are not overlapping with woodworking at least traditionally and that that there's probably a learning curve and i'll say even a barrier that keeps people from you know adding one of those to their wood shop for just the factor of like i don't know how to run that machine right a hundred percent like i have people shooting us messages from our podcast uh account all the time asking what are the benefits you know, what are the benefits of a laser? How can yeah. I get one? And, you know, do I have any support with this, with this software? Because I have no idea what I'm doing. And, yeah. you know, we do our best, at least the three of us on the podcast, which is the Sawdust Nation podcast, but the, the, the three of us do our best to walk people through things as much as we can over the phone or, or through Instagram. But um, there's, there is a learning curve. Once you get it though, it's like you're thinking completely changes. And now you, you know, you start picking things up. It's like, you know, when you're, you're a kid and your dad or mom's pushing you on the bike without training wheels and pretty soon they let go and you just keep going. And then you've kind of just figured it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. It like clicks all of a sudden. Oh yeah. Um, so talk about your podcast a, a little bit. There's three of you on there and it's, you're all woodworkers. Obviously it's a sawdust nation podcast but how did this come to be and what types of things are you guys uh talking about and covering there yeah so uh solid station podcast started about two years ago we are on all the podcast catchers the original three hosts were uh josh poloski aj camarado and then myself um aj since left the podcast but now we have nap on board Uh, all three of us are active duty military we're all in the air force Wow. We all make uh, military plaques, shadow boxes, and other you know projects that customers come to us for. Uh, we focus on the garage shop maker like, community, I guess you could say. So when we're talking about things, we're we're taking in mind space accommodations. We're we're talking about uh, budget minded things. We're yeah. uh, you know we're always we're always in the, in the mindset, or at least trying to stay in the mindset of smaller shops and the weekend woodworkers, because let's face yeah. it, you go on a lot of channels or hear a lot of podcasts. It's full-time big yeah. shop woodworkers, and they have all the best equipment and something, you know, the little guys can't, I don't want to say little guys, but the, the guys who are trying to just make something on the weekend can't compete because they don't have the equipment. So, yeah, there's like a, there's an aspect to that that's a little demoralizing and can keep people out of trying something. It's like when you watch a professional of anything, you know, do something like a, I don't know, 
some really extreme athlete or something. Um, and you instantly think, well, if I it got involved with that sport, that's what I would do. But since I can never, I know I can't do that. Therefore I'm not even going to go down the bunny hill. <laughs> Point is, um, it's a little bit, it's a kind of a bummer on with the way social media works where usually the most insane, beautiful projects and crafts are kind of rise to the top of the stack. And that's what a lot of beginners then see. And like I, like I said, I know, I know it, it inspires the, the brave. They'll get out and like, go after that but it doesn't a lot of people who might maybe would otherwise have started with a cornhole game are kind of like yeah well i'm not gonna make a cornhole game because that's that's not you know that's too why would i do that when i could be doing this i don't know there's something a little it's a bummer about social media that it can almost can be keeping people out by only showing them the tip top best is that making sense uh, it totally makes sense and i i fully agree there's People want to show all the shiny toys and all that stuff, which is fine. That's, you know, it gets views. But at the end of the day, when guys, just regular guys or girls are trying to go out and build the cornhole set or they want to make something and feel proud of it, you know, that's where I think that's the intimidation level starts hitting when they start seeing all that other stuff. So, but that's where we're here. We, you know, we, we take questions from, from, from listeners we uh, we interact with them on social media, so we try to answer every post or every response on our posts. Um, mm-hmm. We don't leave people hanging, or at least we try not to. So if we I've left, if we left you hanging, let us know. We'll get you. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. um, and we encourage everybody to to at least try yeah. and make something, or at least if you're interested, get involved. You know, you don't mm-hmm. have to own the tools. There's there's places that are that have maker spaces. I don't know if you've ever heard of a maker space. But you can rent time at that place. They have all the tools, and you just make whatever. I think you have to bring the materials, though. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's a great concept, especially for folks who live in like a big city in an apartment, or you know, people that just can't afford tools. Yeah, and it's easy to you know thinking about people who are scared to start. You know, like I was describing, because they see something that just looks so far beyond them. You got to also remember that. As you as you guys all well know, you don't do a lot of these hobbies because you really want to have the you know the shadow box or the cutting board or the cornhole game. It's just fun to do it. It's fun to build something at all, and it's, it sounds a little cliche, but it's just the truth that the act of like putting something together and using tools and like staying up late. I love working late if I've got a great project like when it's dark outside, and it's just fun. And so. The project itself, whether it's going to win a blue ribbon or or if whether anybody on social media would care, is totally irrelevant to whether it's a good idea to try building something if you haven't yet, because you might really have a great time doing it, and then you're you know then you're off to the races. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I um, so I think the best part of getting into it in the first the first couple projects you you make is after you're done you stand back and you're like wow that like this came from my hands i made this and now i can show everybody and that, that's that's the best part for me still even so yeah yeah it's true um my kids are you know they'll make whatever kind of kid hobby craft they're so proud and they're like go around and show everybody and i always kind of i give them some good attention and 
I then I'll notice myself doing the exact same thing because as an example, we got this golf cart. Uh, it's really, it's an old golf cart and I built this little fl- uh, flatbed cargo bed for the back of it. And I haven't done a lot of welding in my life, just like a bare, just a small amount. So this is probably like my, I don't know, seventh or eighth, like little welding project. And every person who comes to my house now, like I'm going to show them the flatbed I made for the golf cart because I'm oh, yeah. proud of it. it. It's the same thing as my kids who are showing them like their macaroni necklace. It's, you, you it's got the it. same like needs. Like I did this. I'm really proud of it. I know nobody else cares, but I'm going to show you because it makes me happy. And so, you know, it's like they're on the front doorsteps knocking on your door and you're like, hey, before you all come in, let's go take a look at the golf cart. The bad thing for me is like everybody knows my dad. And so I the people I show this thing are kind of like, oh yeah, nice. It really is a lot like when a little kid does it, you know, because they're like, you know, your your dad could have probably made you one of those. It's a little uh, heftier, but again, it's not the point. The point is that it's fun to make it, and 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 so I know there's people. In fact, my father-in-law who passed away, he he had done a bit of woodworking in his life when he was younger, and he always kind of wanted to do more, but. And he had gotten sick, so it wasn't, it just never didn't really happen before he passed away. But, but still, that like that moment of kind of getting up from the couch or from YouTube or whatever and being like, okay, I'm going to make this cornhole uh, game. It's like, it's really important. Yeah. It's like, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Just getting over that first step. That first step is the biggest, uh, the hardest part of any, of any journey, I would say. Yeah. And after that first go, it's an addiction or it can become an addiction. So that's yeah. what keeps people going is that I want to say the rush or the the high of, of knowing you made something and being able to actually use, especially when you can use things like a kitchen table or uh, even a cutting board, really. That's yeah. like a rewarding feeling. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. When it's something that stick that you, that sticks around, by the way, um, I, thinking about kitchen table and then I was thinking about um, kitchen knives and such. And I'm thinking, I remember you saying you were doing forging for a while and you had a blacksmithing set up. Is that right? So you've kind of, you've already, you've been through a few different crafts at this point and how, how does blacksmithing compare to woodworking? Cause those, not everybody's involved with both of those hobbies. Yeah. So it took me a while to get where I am and find my, my niche, I guess you could say, but after watching, I gotta say your dad's an inspiring gentleman. Let me tell you. Because after yeah. watching, so I stumbled upon the Essential Craftsman. I started watching the videos, and he had the forge and the anvil and all this. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. So I took a chunk of money that I had set aside for something that I wanted to do, and I purchased a forge and an anvil. And then I didn't take into account that you need space for that because mm-hmm. you can't just pound away in a, a little shed or a garage uh, the forge is hot, <laughs> you know, you can yeah. potentially set things on fire. And then on another, you know, another aspect of it, my kids always like to come out in the garage when I'm working. So I don't want the kids out there. I, I had a toddler at the time. I, I didn't want him to accidentally burn himself on a hot piece of metal or, you know, mm-hmm. God forbid touch, touch the forge. So I was like, you know, I, I got to get rid of this stuff. I'll continue making something or doing stuff, but I'll do it with, I'll do it with wood, at least something that I'm more familiar with and mm-hmm. um, a little bit safer and conducive in an environment of a one car garage and smushed yeah. together in base housing. Yeah. There's like a timing aspect too. That's where I'm at with blacksmithing. Cause I would love to 
do it and experience it and kind of learn and start up that learning curve. And I don't really have the time to add to, to do that right now, but I am kind of planning for it and acquiring the the tools and the, in fact, I've got an anvil sitting right over here that uh, there will come a time in a year or two or, or I don't know, three where it'll be like, okay, now, like you said, when the little, when the kids are big enough to not really get hurt and actually where we're at now, um, actually it would work, but you got to think about neighbors too. You know, if you're in a, a oh, yeah. condo, you're not going to want to like bang Constant. away all, all Constant. hours of the night. Yeah. So I did that I, before I got rid of everything. I was like, I'm going to have a forge party and yeah. I invited all my friends from work over and my neighbors were absolutely livid, but we had a great time. <laughs> the forge was out on the, uh, I had everything set up out on the sidewalk close to the road. So there was no chance of anything catching on fire. And we just were banging on rebar, making like butter knives or whatever. You know, I, I brought, I yeah. bought a whole, or I've got a whole bunch of metal for them to mess with, but it was a good time. Nobody really made anything substantial, but uh, you know, it's just kind of engaged my friends. It was something to, to do. Yeah, that's cool. Um, maybe the last thing, tell us about the maker community project that you mentioned that, and I think I saw it on your website, but what is going on? Uh, with that effort, I know maybe that's not your um, project, but this is the yes. Uh, yeah, what is that? So the Maker Community Project is a nonprofit organization, and, and they they raise funds to um, purchase uh, equipment or um, yeah, equipment for disabled woodworkers or woodworkers going through a um, a rough time, like they had like a crisis. So their whole, their whole mantra is community over competition and the podcast, we've, we've taken that to heart. That's actually our, our, you know, unofficial mantra as well, but, um, it's based out of New Jersey. They do things to raise money. They have sweepstakes and all that to raise money and they do giveaways and all that to other folks, uh, who purchase their, their gear and their uh, their project you know their products like t-shirts and all that stuff and all that money goes towards all that profit goes towards a um a woodworker who's been injured or obviously like i said in crisis so in order to to become eligible uh you have to be nominated so it's not like you can just sign up yourself so you have to be nominated by somebody else mm. to uh to be considered for selection as a recipient for the um, for the assistance, but uh, we're huge on pushing this. We love the we love what it stands for, and the makers that that are behind it are stand up people. So check it out, makerscommunityproject.org, or excuse me, the makercommunityproject.org, and uh, it'll give you all the information you need and how to get um, get involved if you're interested. Oh, beautiful. I love it. Well, all right. We're going to link to your podcast, Sawdust Nation, and you're on Instagram as well. We'll link to it. But if someone's driving, is was it you, you mentioned it once, but tell us again. So the podcast is at Sawdust Nation podcast on Instagram. And then uh, my personal page is at NPG Creations on Instagram as well. Yeah, wonderful. Well, hey, this is great. And especially if someone's listening who's a part of the military, I, I know that your podcast is not necessarily centered around that, but the fact that you are all active duty Air Force should be extra inspiring for any of our listeners who are in the military, even just letting them know that it's possible 
to be on base and maybe only have that one car garage and still, and I know a lot of people are kind of yearning the longing to get involved and maybe they assumed it just wasn't possible. Well, it is. And here are some guys who can show you how to get started and, and you can, you guys have a lot in common. So, um, we will point people to there and Nick, thanks so much for staying up late and coming on the show here. And, uh, and um, given some good ideas and comments about getting into woodworking from the ground up. And as everybody knows, once you start, I mean, the sky is the limit. Wood, working with wood's got to be one of the oldest crafts, I mean, humans have ever done, I guess, besides cooking, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> if that's a hobby craft. Okay, it should be. You know, cooking really should be right up there with craftsmanship. It's just it's just flesh and blood or <laughs> organic matter. But It's all art. It's all art at the end of the day. Yeah, there you go. That's that's where it goes under, huh? I appreciate. By, by the way, I appreciate you having me on. Um, it's been, you know, I've always wanted to to correspond with you guys over at the Essential Craftsman, and it's it's awesome being here. So thanks so much. Yeah, well, if you're ever out on the West Coast, stop by. We're right on I five, and uh, you you're welcome to come in and see my dad's shop. He's uh he likes doing the podcast, but he doesn't listen to podcasts himself. I don't think he really ever understood it completely, like how, you know, what it even is. So when it's, when there's like a guest that he kind of, someone he knows about or something, he's like, oh yeah, I want to talk to that guy. But for the most part, he's got his, he's kind of working on other projects. So we'll see. But uh, like I said, you're more than welcome to come by anytime you're out on this side of the country. And uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. This time we'll link to all these things in the notes to the show here. And Nick, have a great night. Tell hi to your uh, your hosts on your show there for us, and someday we'll do it again. We'll do. Much appreciated, Nate. Thanks so much. <laughs>